Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. As always, I'm your host, Hummerch Jr., and today I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Murphy. Mike, say hi. Hi everyone, please wash your hands. Yes, everyone, um, please wash your hands, uh, practice social distancing. Um, obviously, we're all aware of what is going on uh, right now in the world. Uh, we're not going to try and talk about it too much because I can understand that it's a very stressful time for people. Um, it's it's something that you're bombarded with, whether you put on the news, look at a newspaper, go through social media. Um, but just please, you know, take all and every precautions. Um, and both of us hope that you are doing well, your families are doing well. Um, if you're someone who's still working um, at this point because it's, you know, a job where you can't um, work remotely, whether it's in retail, whether, you know, first responder, doctor, all of those different things where you have to be hands on, um, you know, just take very good care of yourselves. Uh, and thank you for uh, the work that you are doing. Um, so, yeah, we me and Mike were sort of trying to figure out what we want to do going forward. Um, and I think the course of action uh, for now is we're going to do one podcast a week where we're going to try and talk as much hockey um, and Rangers news um, as there is and then go into questions. But going forward, we're open to suggestions. If there's some sort of subject you'd like us to tackle more in depth or if you want us to talk about you know movies or any and everything, um, feel free to send suggestions, you know, using bannering points, reach out to us on Twitter, um, you know, any and everything. Um, so yeah, that's sort of uh, a little bit of a rambling preamble. And I think the best place to start, there's some NHL news that we'll get into in a bit, but we'll just cover the, um, the New York Rangers business. And I would think that the biggest bit of business is Keandre Miller has officially signed his entry-level contract, which will start next season. Um, now that it's official, Mike, um, I know we talked about this last show, but thoughts? Are you surprised that he signed? Is this something you expected? Uh, floor is yours. I'm not surprised that he signed. Um, just with, I think this was kind of like a, a series of dominoes falling, um, specifically with with Keandre, you know, the Brady Shea trade, and, you know, we've talked about what that left side looks like, and, you know, we've also talked about how, you know, after next season specifically, things really open up in terms of the defense and, you know, guys who will be coming off the books and, and all of that, and I like the idea very much of someone like Keandre getting a chance to carve out a role for himself, even though, you know, uh, I think I want to make sure I say this nice and early, Tom, which is, uh, if he doesn't make the roster out of training camp and he starts the year in Hartford, that's just fine. There's nothing wrong with that. hundred um, percent. And that's the, that's the big thing with, uh, with Keandre Miller, um, really like in particular is just because, you know, this is a guy who had such an amazing uh, you know, freshman season at Wisconsin. Um, and then of course, you know, what I think I'm looking back right now, you know, uh, obviously other than like, you know, the toolkit, he's six foot four, you know, he's incredibly athletic. He's a great skater. And 
in that freshman season, which of course was, you know, was truncated with, uh, he had the injury, Tom, and he also, you know, uh, was at, was at World Juniors, right? And then 22 points in 26 games. And he, for much, much, much of the season, he led the Badgers in scoring. And this year, 18 points in 36 games, but more goals. And uh, it's really, it's the, like looking at what people have uh, written and said about the, the Badgers team this season is that they were just a team that had so much talent, but there's some, like, there's some was not equal to, like, the, you know, their overall talent, you know, like, it, what is that saying? My brain is just tripping all over it. You know, the the sum of the total of the parts. God damn it, Tom, help me. Why can't you help me? So you're basically, what you're trying to say is they had a lot of good individual talent and the collective body of, of t- the together just wasn't, um, you know, good enough to, to, to reach expectations. Like you have Cole Caulfield, who is a name that um, he's greater actually... Greater than the sum of its parts. That's the There you game. go. There yeah. you go. The team Everything's... was not greater than the sum of its parts. You know, like the this idea that they had so much talent, but they didn't have enough talent to justify, like, hey, we have this much talent. Why are we not a better team? Um, and because of that, Keandre Miller wasn't the only guy who, you know, numbers maybe you would have liked to see just, like, the counting stats look a little bit better. But, yeah, um, I'm excited for it. I'm sure you are. It's There's a real opportunity for him to, you know, grab that ice time and you know if if it's not his and you know who the hell knows what happens with next season but we'll get into that um then you know there's there's brendan smith and there's you know there's things in place that could help that transition even with brady shagon yeah i think the most interesting element of it is obviously everything's up in the air right now uh ahl included so we don't know when is the first time we're going to see Miller put on another jersey? Uh, if play resumes, it could be with the the Wolfpack. Um, he could sign an ATO and finish the year. It could be the summer. Um, you know, Traverse City. Um, again, a lot of is up in the air, and I think it's ever so more important. And I would say that. The longer I've been doing this, um, you know, I look back on some of the work that I've done and how I've evaluated players and, and, and things of that nature, try and find where you made mistakes or find where you were looking at the wrong things. And I think with a player like Keandre Miller, it's very easy to obviously look at the freshman year success, um, the offensive production, and, and it's like, you know, this is someone who we're very excited about. And then you look at this year and you see a bit of a dip and it's very natural to say, man, what happened there? He was off to such a a good start to his college career, but there's this, I don't want to know if I want to say phenomenon, but someone like him crashes onto the scene. His freshman year was a bit of an unknown. They know he was a first round pick, but he was someone who was new to the position. So there was this element of surprise, not knowing what to expect now, the rest of the NCAA knows about Keandre Miller, knows his skill set, knows how he can attack, knows how he can defend, and defenses learn to adjust for him. Teams are able to sort of plan for him. And while that's not 
something that I would say happens a lot for defensemen where you might say a forward, like, okay, this forward so-and-so likes to drive down the wing. If we shut out their outlets, then they're not going to score. Um, so it'll be interesting to see going forward. He's going to make the adjustment to pro hockey, and it's a very exciting time. I know there's a lot of hype around him. I know there's a lot of hype around um, players like Nils Lundqvist, um, who was having a very good season uh, in the SHL. Um, you know, shame that it ended a little sooner than, uh, you know, we thought with, with everything going on. But I would say, and, and you touched on it in your beginning, it's managing expectations. It's the kids are here, but if he doesn't make the roster, it is not the biggest deal in the world because yeah. we don't want to rush him along before he's ready. And with the way Hartford has sort of changed, um, it's uh want to give him a, a, an opportunity to prove what he can do down there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like, I like this path for Keandre Miller. I think, you know, this is really a choice for a guy you know, who we know that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's relatively new to the position of defense, which is not to say that, you know, he's like, an, you know, an amateur or anything. This is a guy who has a lot of the skills you need and, you know, he can learn a lot, um, you know, in, you know, over the summer in training camp and, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of years, uh, you know, behind with, you know, Granado and the Badgers certainly helped him, uh, you know, kind of adjust to the roles and responsibilities, uh, you know, associated with playing D. And, you know, also on top of that, his experience with the national team. So there's a lot to like there. And the reason I think it is so exciting for so many fans is it's another kind of piece um, in the puzzle that, you know, a guy who we all really identify as this is a core part of this, you know, of this build of this team that's coming together. This team that showed so much potential, Tom, before everything happened with COVID-19 and, you know, the years that Benajad was having, the year Panarin was having, uh, you know, even, you know, to an extent not getting enough credit, the year Bucinevich was having, you know, like you just run down the list, like the year Kreider was having that resulted in him getting the extension he got and... Um, Booch, Shesterkin, Booch, yeah, like it's uh, it's really fun, and I think the other thing that makes this so interesting to me, Tom, and I was really curious about your thoughts on this when I first heard this coming down, you know, the the wire that Keandre signed is is what do you make of Keandre's presence, you know, signing his ELC, given what we've seen or perhaps it's so tough because both of these guys have dealt with injuries, but that left side, you have Libor Hayek and you have Igor Rikov and both, like I said, both have dealt with injuries, but both, you know, in large part due to injuries have been kind of, you know, underwhelming this year. Um, I think it's been hard, really, really hard to stand out on that Hartford blue line after, the team was gutted of its talent. And, you know, looking at Rikov's numbers specifically in the KHL when he was playing for uh, HK Sochi, um, he was a guy who, 
you saw him play a lot of ice time and you saw him do pretty well, but, you know, he had to make an adjustment and, you know, some guys make a, like, I cannot believe how quickly Igor Shosturkin adjusted to the North American game. He's like, smaller rink, different shot angles, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's no big deal. Um, you know, but some guys, it takes a little bit longer and... Um, you know, for example, I think a guy who definitely had that adjustment period and has struggled was, uh, was Vitaly Kravstov. But, you know, it's looking at that left side of that D, you know, how much pressure do you think is on Igor Rikov and, uh, Lieber Hayek, not only because of Keandre, but also because of Ryan Lindgren. Like, Ryan Lindgren just stole the show in terms of that group of those three, you know, defensemen who are, you know, younger guys who play the left side. Back in training camp, you know, before Rikov's injury, if you told me of those three, who did I think would be on the roster? I think Lindgren was my, would have been my third pick. And, you know, obviously things went the way they did. Yeah, I would have, I would have agreed with you. I, I think Lindgren is someone who's been a lot better um, than I thought he was going to be. And, Kudos to him for how he's played. As for the concept of pressure and, and Keandre in the context of that left side, I think it's an opportunity first and foremost. It's not only an opportunity for him, but it's an opportunity for everyone else. Um, I'm a firm believer of having kids in the situation to make the team more so than any random veteran you may just sign off the scrap heap in August or, um, you know, whatever part of the, the, the low in free agency that there is. Because I think there's more to learn about your team when you have people who could do a job actually competing for it. Um, and if Keandre plays well, given the lack of talent on that side, there's a good shot that he, he could make the roster. I think we've seen in years past um, at forward when you've had these random tryouts for like guys like Maxime LaPierre, people that had no business being on an NHL oh roster. God. What a like, callback, Maxime LaPierre. Yeah, like that's my go-to because that <laughs> that was a thing where people are like, oh, it's just signing bodies for the preseason or, oh, it's trying to create competition. But I'm saying to myself, really? That's not creating competition. That's someone yeah. like that. I mean, in another extension is like when they brought back Michael Haley, who's yeah, barely the, played. Yeah, the Michael Haley, the, oh, don't worry. He's only here to push the kids or protect the kids in preseason. And then he's Adam McQuaid. Yeah, roster cut after roster cut. It's like, oh, you know, the coaches must like him. Then he gets a contract, and then, you know, all you can do, you know, and, of course, Philip Heedle and, uh, you know, Kravstoff were in the AHL, and, like, all, all you could do is just, you know, look for the nearest desk to flip over. But, um, <laughs> and then, and then of course, you enter the, you know, the, the nuances of, you know, how much ice time all those guys get, and, you know, I think Michael Haley... I was getting like, you know, six and a half minutes a night or something. But the thing I wanted to just tack onto this really quick, Tom, which is super interesting to me, is, you know, Keandre Miller will be 21 um, in January. But Levar Hayek and Igor Rikov are both 22 right now. 
Um, they both, especially Igor Rikov, especially like significant ex- experience playing pro hockey. Um, Rikov has 150 games of KHL experience, um, and you know this, the 27 games he's gotten to play this year with the Wolfpack are the are the first 27 games of AHL experience for him. And Libor Hayek, um, I think, what was his story? He had like a little taste of the AHL, and then. Tampa sent him back to the Western Hockey League, um, and then like something, yeah. I'm uh, looking at his elite prospects now. In 2016-17, yeah, he had like an eight games in the AHL, and then the next season he played um, exclusively in uh, the Western Hockey League between Saskatoon Blades and the Regina Pats, and then uh, shortly thereafter, you know, that was the season he was traded to the New York Ragnars. So. He has 89 games of AHL experience and, you know, a little bit of experience in the Czech League, but that's not, obviously not the same level. 33 games of NHL experience. So all this to say that we should be in no rush for Keandre Miller to, you know, just suddenly knock these two guys off um, in terms of who has the best chance of making the roster. And also, you know, it's worth, worth throwing... Um, his name into this because uh, he was a training camp last season. Tom was uh, Tarmo Roinen. Uh, he is also 22. So he'll be 23 in uh, March March 1st, I think. Um, so, you know, on the a year from now, he'll be 23. But he's a guy who also has a bunch of a uh, bunch of pro experience in Liga. You know, he's been playing you know at that level, the, you know, the top Finnish league for the past three seasons now. Um, having a good year this year, about the same, you know, production-wise as, as what he did last season with Luco, but um, it's it's super interesting to me what, how all the, like, how the pieces fall on the left side of the defense in relation to the Keandre signing, just because neither side of the defense is really offers a clear picture, Right. And it's so interesting because that's where the bulk of the Rangers' prospects are. You know, you have the Anthony D'Angelo uh, contract situation, and then you have Nils Lundqvist. And, you know, Nils Lundqvist's stock has risen even more than Keandre Miller's has, especially this past season. And you want him in the lineup as soon as possible. You want him to develop and become a part of the new core. Um, but it's it's kind of tough to, tough to fit him in there when you got Adam Fox... Jacob Truba and D'Angelo, and you don't want to just turn your back on D'Angelo. Yeah, it's, I would say the last thing I kind of want to say is, and it's from an overall look, anyone that is brought in, whether it be Miller on the left, um, Roninen, um, you know, you name it, prospect otherwise, it's, it's an opportunity, like I said. I think in the case of Miller, it's if I'm Ryan Lindgren, I'm saying to myself, I'm having an opportunity to prove that I'm not just, you know, a partial season wonder. If I'm Lieber Hayek, yeah. it's an opportunity to show, yeah, I had a taste and I went back to the AHL and struggled, but I can still be a NHL player. And then, like I said with Miller, it's um, prove that I belong. If not, I'm going to prove that I belong in the AHL really soon to the point um, where I get called up. And it's uh, going to be interesting to see how it all fits out, just like 
hour everything's going to fit on the right side um and it's certainly this wrinkle of a pushed back season um it uh makes things more interesting i'm just so excited for the defense tom over the next two years like if you think back to you know the the prime the years that this team was at its pinnacle in the Henrik Lindquist era, you know, and obviously we've transitioned away from that. And you look at, you know, what held this team back. I'm sure a lot of people might point to, you know, things like special teams or, you know, not having that real superstar forward, you know, after the Yager years and like not having a guy who can take over a game, not having to a lot of people would debate the first line center. But to me, I always looked at, the blue line and its shortcomings and its inability to make an impact, you know, in all three zones, especially the offensive zone. Like this year, with the numbers that D'Angelo and Fox are putting up, it's just so damn fun to think of what this team could be. I mean, the thing is, like, before everything went crazy uh, with COVID-19 and, you know, sports coming to, you know, an abrupt and awkward and for, you know, for very good reasons, Adam Fox had 42 points, Tom. 42 points. When's the last time a Rangers rookie D had 42 points? Michael Delzato, I think, would be the closest. I think he had, what was it, 41, I want to say. Michael Delzato. Didn't he not get the cup because he wasn't with the Blues long enough? So, interestingly enough, he was actually included because... The the rule is you just have to have um, forty one games in total in the NHL. It is it doesn't matter like if you switch teams. Like I think going back, it was oh you have to play in so many games or um, be on uh, you play so many playoff games. So yeah, he was uh, his name oh, was okay. engraved on the cup. Well, good for Michael Delzato. Um, anyway, long story short, with that is. The future of the defense is, like, it's so fascinating to me the way, like, all the pieces are going to fall, how it's going to finish coming together, and, you know, Keandre and, you know, all these other guys, you know, who we've been talking about, it's, uh, it's fun, because it's also, you know, the passing of the torch, you know, with, you know, I think it's, it goes without saying that Mark Stahl already has one foot out the door, um... You know, he's, he might play here next season, but he's, you know, it's the Rangers are not going to extend Mark Stahl. Um, you know, if they did, I think I would be pretty upset. But yeah, um, that's where, that's where things are with the defense. And of course, the big, the biggest Rangers related news, uh, other than the fact that, uh, Igor Shosturkin, Pavel Buchnevich, and Artemi Panarin are playing Monopoly together. Um, which, by the way, it seems like they're making Igor be the banker. Is that because he's the rookie? Like, you know, the young guy has to be the banker? I always liked being the banker. I felt like I was in control of things. I wonder if Oz, this is going on, you know, if someone, you know, uh, you know, they, they, they sell or they collect taxes on, on a house or they're, you know, pass and go, one of them you know, says to Igor, pay that man his money. Pay that man his money. That's right, Tom. Uh, Rounders, now on Netflix, by the way, if there's 
I'd love to see what the the data is on how many hours of Netflix people have consumed while so many of us work from home. As someone who works from home, you know, I know it's it's a unique you know, it's a unique world to live in where it requires a ton of discipline and, you know, when there's things like uh <laughs> there's things like John Malkovich um doing Teddy KGB's voice while he twists open Oreos to watch. It's, it's not always easy to get work done, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, the defense is going to come together and, you know, whatever happens with Keandre next season in particular, we'll have to see, but you know, before we get there, I guess we should talk about this season and, you know, was it TSN insider trading with, yes. you were telling me what the hell might happen. Who the hell knows? I don't know anymore. Yeah, so it was the using the word, you know, crazy, it's exactly the perfect transition. So the long story short is the players want to play. They want to continue the season um as soon as that they're able to. They don't want a situation where they cancel the rest of the regular season and pick up with the playoffs using some points percentage formula. They don't want to have some weird 24 team playoff so the proposal um and part of this has been presented to the nhl um so training camp would be in early july so basically teams get to practice they get to work out they get get to get back into game shape so then play would resume in late july and the regular season would end Then you're looking at a playoff that would run from August to September. Then, you know, you have the draft and free agency in October. And then the 2020-21 season would begin in November with it being a truncated schedule, um, sort of similar to when the... um, the lockout season um, where they they squished all these games together starting in January, but it would be a full 82-game season um, played out. So um, my initial thoughts are this is very optimistic um, for a number of reasons. It's assuming a lot. It's assuming that best-case scenarios for treatment for uh, what's going on. Um, It's assuming that this is not going to come back in another wave. So it's hedging a lot to say, okay, we're going to put this off because the worst case scenario would be, okay, they set this plan in motion, they go play resumes, and then they need to pull people off the ice again. Um, So my initial thought is, yes, this sounds good in theory, and I understand why the players are doing it because – they fucking hate escrow and they don't want to um, miss out on potential revenue. And with the CBA ending soon, they don't want to get fucked over and be like, well, we need to do these measures because we had this shortened season and we didn't get playoff gate revenues and all of that stuff. Um, but I don't see it happening. It's, it, it's, it's, again, it's hoping that all of the right things happen and Assuming the best, which, as anyone knows, when it comes to the NHL, does anything ever really happen the way that it should? Not really. I mean, no. I mean, 
Yeah, you can no. say the quiet part out loud. No, yeah, it never happens. No is the realistic answer there. Um, it's it's not a popular thing to say, but I think this is the the uncomfortable reality um, that I think a lot of us are coming to terms with. Tom is that uh, you know the season we had is all the season we'll get. We might not get a cup winner this year, um, and that sucks. Um, it it absolutely sucks, and it sucks for the players. It sucks for the fans, and especially right now with you know the world of hockey, with you know you know the Bruins and all these teams. Like we're learning about you know some of these you know ownership groups are going to pay guys people who work at rinks, and some are not necessarily going to do that. Uh, and the reality of you know both you and I who work in this field and you're know, trying to make a living, trying to climb the ladder in this field. Um, you know, I do a lot of freelance work and I can tell you with uh, complete honesty that this is just bad. Uh, it's bad all around for everybody I know. Um, with all that being said, I'm, I just don't, I just don't see how we get a continuation of the season before we have a better idea of what's happening with the virus. And we're just not there yet because the country um, as a whole, um, and of course, so much of the NHL is deeply rooted in the United States. We're nowhere near any sort of solution, right? It just, we have an idea of what we would like to happen. Um, But for the time being, the idea that we would have some sort of continuation, even in, you know, even in summer and then, you know, we'll finish things in summer and we'll have free agency in October and we'll not, next season we'll just play a shorter schedule, you know, 70 games or whatever the hell. And like all of that seems, I think the word you used was just optimistic. Right. And I, I think that's the best word to use here. That is super optimistic to me that all those things would fall into place. Yeah. I don't see it. It's terrible to think that we just might not get a resolution on the season, but what's happened is bigger than bigger than sports. This is not like a labor dispute. This is not a you know fans grumbling about a team winning the cup when there's a 48 game regular season or something because of you know you know a lockout or a truncated season. This is just the world went on pause, and that included hockey. And sometimes. That means we don't get the final chapter of the story. And, you know, all that really matters is making sure we can pick up the next story. And, uh, you know, that means, yeah, you know, we don't hand out a cup. Maybe we, you know, still hand out the regular season awards, you know, things like MVP, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, there are, in some circumstances, uh, you know, like things like World War II, uh, <laughs> where... You know, life gets in the way and, you know, you have to have some asterisks attached to seasons, right? Like, why wasn't there a cup winner this year? Well, because this happened. I always think of, uh, specifically in the women's hockey world, um, I believe it was 2012, forgive me if I'm wrong, when, um, you know, the women's world championship was canceled because of the stars outbreak. And that was just like, oh, well, shit, you know, like in in international hockey, especially in the women's hockey world, like those tournaments are 
you know, that's what you play for. You know, it's three years of the Worlds and then the Olympics, you know, that four-year Olympic cycle. And it just just so happens that you don't get it that year because something bigger happened that got in the way. And that's kind of what's happening now with not just the NHL, but all sports. And uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but here we are. And really, the thing that matters the most to me is doing things the right way. It was already, it was already kind of surprising to me that the NHL waited as long as it did before, before kind of going along with the current, especially after the NBA made its decision. Um, it seemed like the the NHL in particular was really hesitant to to put stuff on pause. At least that's that was my take. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, it's. That's, it's tough because there's so many things that are hinging on the regular season continuing and, and playoffs, whether it's conditional draft picks, trades that were made, um, you know, potential bonuses. There's all of these ancillary things that, in the grand scheme of things, are not very important um, based on everything that's going on that... I think the NHL is trying to work through and the easiest thing for them to do is to have a plan um, that allows them to have some sort of closure. Um, I think we can all agree that it's sometimes better to be safe than sorry. And the longer that we can sort of um, social distance and keep things shut down until we have a better sense of what's going on, the better. And I understand that it's uh, an annoyance. It's an inconvenience. It's, it's stressful. It you know, and can induce anxiety. There's all these, all of these things, but it's, there are things that are bigger than sports. Um, and I, I hope people can realize this during this time. And I understand that how important sports are for, for people. Um, but I, I, I just don't see a way that this proposal makes sense. I think the easiest thing that they would do um, is they try to have some sort of, you know, okay, we're going to set the cutoff at 72 games or we're going to shut the cutoff at 74 games. And, um, you know, if you're the um, Detroit Red Wings, you know, it doesn't really matter if you finish your full season, um, you're the Ottawa Senators, so on and so forth. And they yeah. try and resolve those things at the bubble. Um, but that in itself, it's it's an arbitrary cutoff. And then, like I said, all of these conditional picks and it's just a mess. Um, but I think for right now, you just wait, you see what happens. Um, and if we see more light at the end of the tunnel, then you can sort of reassess. At least, you know, that's my take on the situation. Yeah, I think you wait because you you have to admit you're powerless to do anything else. Like, it's not bad to have an idea of what next steps could look like, but before you start moving treasure and setting aside, you know, you know, start writing pens down, like plans down in pen instead of pencil. Like, we should figure out what the hell's happening in the world first and whether or not it's even appropriate to, to resume play. And, you know, is it possible that like, Hey, yeah, maybe we can, you know, get some sort of resolution where, you know, we play in empty buildings and, you know, we carry through with that. But the other thing, you know, just from learning about 
you know, with, with the Jazz and Rudy Gobert and everything, like, you know, teams, NHL teams share locker rooms in a lot of cases with NBA teams. And, like, it's close proximity. Sports is, like, this unavoidable problem for something like this, right? Like, you have... You have people taking public transit, especially like for the Rangers. Like, think about how packed, you know, public transportation is to get into the city for those who don't live in the city. And then you're in Madison Square Garden where you're on top of each other. And then everyone's piling out. Uh, Like, you know, the restrooms are insane. Um, And then like, you know, both in the locker rooms and on the benches, you're just on top of each other. It's just a bad, it's a bad recipe like for for things to be a problem there and so even if you eliminate as many of those things as possible and you say like all right well can we get any sort of revenue out of this can we broadcast it you know can we have you know (laughs) dave maloney between the benches and you know sam and joe talking and you know can we have hockey without any fans in the stands and it's like yeah we can i think we would get there much sooner than you know some people might expect I still don't think that's the right thing to do because it puts the players in a potentially dangerous situation. It's just like, is it worth it? I don't know. Nope. I don't, yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's the proposal. That's the latest that we've heard. Um, obviously longer this goes, I'm sure that we'll have more things, um, leak out. Um, but I yeah I think that's all that we wanted to sort of cover on the uh, the open ended. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we uh, transition to questions? Uh, nope. Other than you know, just like all of you, we know it sucks. Um, if I could wave a wand and have everything go back to the way it was a couple of weeks ago, I'd be Wingardium Leviosing all over the place. Uh, unfortunately, we're not there. So I'm I. You know, you used such an important word earlier, like uh, optimistic. I'm, I'm optimistic we'll have hockey again. It just, I think it'll be not coming. It won't be very forthwith and and when it arrives, we need to wait a little while. You know what I mean? And that's that's okay in, in the grand scheme of things. Yep, I I agree a hundred percent. Um, and before we start our questions, I think this is the um the best spot um to do an ad break. Um, so we will uh. Be right back. Just like that, uh, through the power of creative editing, the internet, and all of those fun things, uh, we're back. Um, so we have a couple of bannering points, but first, I will um, go through our patron questions. Um, so thank you to all our patrons um, for subscribing. Um, basically, um, I was going to probably announce this at the end of the show, but better to do it now. So. With all of everything that's up in the air, um, I know 
patrons were charged for March. Um, but me and Mike sort of talked and we decided that until hockey is back um, full time, we're going to pause our, our Patreon. Um, we appreciate everyone who supports the show. But, you know, during this time, there are more things that are important, um, you know, so we appreciate your support. Uh, we we appreciate you contributing each and every month, but you know, while everything's going on and you know there's all this uncertainty, um, you know your money can certainly be going to to better things. Um, so once uh, hockey's back, we'll we'll resume it. Um, and uh, yeah, that that that's pretty it for for now. Um, yep. Perennial powerhouse question one, and he has two questions. Um, so I'm going to try, they're sort of grouped together, but we'll, we'll okay. just, we'll start with the first one. So question one, um, will COVID-19 have salary cap implications for next season and beyond? Can the increased productions be reversed at this point? Um, and does the situation make a potential case for a luxury tax system that allows marketable teams to keep their best players if the cap unexpectedly goes down due to unforeseen events, or at least have a team choose one or two top players to have a lesser cap hit. Um, I think that this situation is going to cause some change for the league. Um, the CBA is going to be up after next season. Um, so, or wait, is it, or it's af- after next season or the, the year after next, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, but regardless, um, it's going to cause some changes for the CBA because I think the league didn't have anything in there. Like, okay, if C- if play is delayed, um, what is, okay. So yeah, so collective bargaining agreement. So it is is going to remain in effect through the 2021-22 season. So we have next year and then the following year. Um, but to that point, um, I don't think we're going to see a luxury tax system um, because I think the league is pretty conservative in how it likes it set up because they want to have parity. They want to have competitive balance. They don't want a system where teams can just spend whatever they want. Um, But I do think that if the season is paused indefinitely and they don't resume play, it will have some impact on the salary cap for next season. Um, But I think, like we said, you know, just a few minutes ago, everything really is up in the air at this point. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question whether or not this could have an impact on you know, the salary cap, but like my short answer is it definitely could, right? Um, I don't want that to be the case, but from the business standpoint, this could look like a pretty lean year for the NHL just because of how much, how much money is going to be lost, not just with the, the season, but in particular the playoffs. And that could put a real strain on things and maybe that means we get to you know the lower end of that projected um salary cap um maybe it's only a couple million as opposed to you know i think what was the the latest time i was looking as much as like 
you know, six or eight million, I think. I forget what it was. It so I think it was 84 to 88 million was yeah, the, that's the right. range. So as, as much as four million, uh, excuse me. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's so tough because we just don't, we don't have all the answers, but you know, to address the question, I think, yeah, it could definitely have an impact. And, I like you, Tom. I I don't see the NHL moving towards the luxury tax. I don't think. I just don't. I think it's very hard for for a league to go back on this current model of of trying to make the level playing field. And you know, given all the all the ways and measures that teams already take to kind of circumvent the cap, you know. Hint, hint, wink, wink. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, there are ways to get creative, and we've seen, like, just when you think you've seen everything in terms of getting out of contracts and creating cap space, you know, Toronto will will come up with a, a brand new pitch. You know what I mean? Um, which is understandable, uh, considering they hired the guy who helped uh, create the salary cap. But um, it's it's really interesting to me what, you know, the, the sports stories of like what's happening on the ice is of course important, but the bigger picture stuff, the business stuff is just as important. And the crazy thing is we won't have an idea of what that all means until we kind of get any sort of resolution of any kind in the season. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they proceed. And like we said, we got to wait to see what happens first, but I'm sure that they're working on scenarios. If this happens, the cap is this, if this happens and so on and so forth. And his second question, um, other teams like the New Jersey devils have committed to paying their venue employees during the hiatus. Um, given Dolan's deep pockets, willingness to splurge and MSG's ostensible commitment to charity why haven't we heard of a plan to take care of employees yet i think it's a huge black eye for one of the wealthiest organizations and one of the wealthiest markets in the world to not provide a safety net for blue collar workers especially given the constant waste and churn at the top and cost of living for regular people in new york um basically we've seen that msg as a whole um is working on a plan. They're they're taking care of people in the short term. Um, whether you're working uh, Ranger games, Nick games, uh, Radio City Music Hall, um, the Forum in Los Angeles, like all of the MSG properties. Uh, there was a statement. Um, I think it was one of the Knicks beat reporters who had sent something out. Um, I'll have to find it. And once I do, I can retweet it from um, my Twitter. Um, so I'm not sure if you saw that. So um, I'm not really sure how to address the rest of the question. But I think they do have something in place. Um, the only thing they weren't sure was long-term uh, assistance. Yeah, and, you know, like, there's a big black eye on, I think, like, the Bruins right now from what Pete Blackburn tweeted earlier. Like, you know, a lot of different teams are handing, handling this in very different ways, or and I should say different organizations, I think, is the, the better way to put it, because, you know, 
It's not always like, you know, the Rangers are against it. It's more would be their ownership would be where you would, you know, where the buck stops and making sure, you know, people are taken care of. And, uh, you know, like I have a friend who lost his job uh, during this because of what's going on. And you think of like, well, how the hell, you know, is that acceptable or how the hell does that happen? And it's a crazy, crazy time. And obviously it goes that saying that we hope that, you know, those people who have jobs at the garden and have jobs that are, you know, adjacent to, you know, the function, you know, the, the team functioning and the Rangers functioning and all the teams at the garden, uh, you know, with the Knicks and everything else, like we want everything to work out for everyone. I think, it's super tough for businesses to have a plan in place for this stuff. I don't think that's any excuse to to just say tough shit and, uh, you know, I'm sorry that this is the way it's working out, but, you know, we don't have anything in, in place for you. It's It's really, really frustrating and really disappointing to see how many of these, you know, with players having to step up and like, I know with Calgary and everything, like guys having to step up to help these, these people who depend on this work. And, um, I don't know. It tells you a lot about, you know, where priorities are in reminds you just how much of a business this is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the thing I'll say about it is if you can, if you are lucky enough to own a sports team, you should take care of your people through good times and bad. Um, the regular well, season, yeah. yeah. I mean, the regular season wasn't for much longer. Um, so it's inexcusable that, you know, They don't have teams... to pay for their goddamn rinks and arenas, Tom. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's it pay the people. have some money set aside. Yeah. Uh, and then the second Patreon question was from Kushtastic. Should the Rangers have an alternate jersey? P.S. You can never have enough Oreo cream. Uh, I, as an Oreo lover, yep, I agree with that. And oh yeah. Oh my god, you can have too much Oreo cream, I'll have you know. Never. Oh god. But yes, if they I should have an alternate bowl, jersey. If I put a bowl of Oreo cream in front of you, could you eat it, Tom? How big's the bowl? A standard bowl. Like a cereal bowl? Yeah, like a cereal bowl. Standard size spoon, so you don't have to go like... You're not using like a wooden spoon. You know what I mean? Standard spoon, standard bowl. Is there a time limit? Within reason. You can't be like, I'm going to eat this throughout the day. I want you to eat it during like a meal. So like, I'll give you 30 minutes. I will push myself throughout the 30 minutes and I think I could do it. And you'll fall into a diabetic coma. (laughs) You know, I may have to try this. That's such a terrible idea. Not only for for your body, but for for everything. God damn it! You can't have too much Oreo cream. It's it's really possible, folks. The mega stuff is too far. No no further than the double stuff. The double stuff is the pinnacle of uh, of culinary delight. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, but you you agree that the Rangers should have an alternate jersey. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, they should. I I am all for the, you know, hey, we don't have a mascot. Hey, we're the Rangers. Hey, we're special. Um, all that's all well and good, but I want a little bit of fun, goddammit. I want, I want more 
puppies raised by the team. I want alternate jerseys. I want fun things, Tom. I want jazz hands, streamers, confetti. I want joy. Give me joy, goddammit. Can we have an alternate jersey with a puppy on it? I mean, I don't think the league would have a puppy on it, but I mean... Fuck them. Let's have one. (laughs) I mean, we could push the envelope and get weird. I mean, have a fourth jersey to make up for the, you know, the lost revenue and just be like, yeah, do whatever you want. Like, like, like Garden of Dreams Foundation designed something like the kids and, you know, wear it for a game or two. That'd be cool. Why the hell not? So now we're on our Twitter questions um, from Josh. Does the Panarin for Heart discussion change if the regular season is over this week um, and the Rangers don't have a chance to see this playoff push through? I love that question. Tom, you and I were saying it long before anybody else. Give him the fucking heart. Give him the heart. If the Rangers He's earned if, it. If it ends now and they, you know, like I said earlier in the show, if they say, you know, like, hey, um, you know, no cup this year, but we're still going to hand out some trophies, right? I mean, you can build such, such a strong case for Panarin for Hart. Like, you don't even have to work that hard nope. to build a strong case. And I know you can do the same for McKinnon. And I know all about Dre Seidel's points and, you know, how much he scored, you know, with, you know, without McDavid and all that. But come on. God damn I would, it. So, such a good year. I would say the only other player who I feel has as strong a case as uh, Panarin would be Connor Hellebuck because he's really been, like, fucking amazing for the Winnipeg Jets, like, dragging a team that has been... Um, been very interesting and and hellebuck is just sort of like pulling them over the finish line and goalies never win the heart tom yeah i know but i feel like they should like the last i agree with you they totally should and and i know like the whole like i think the counterpoint to that as well if the goalie you know they would always be the mvp because they're always technically the most valuable player and like no i I know But, like, you, I think you can grade the goalies on a bell curve, right? And, I don't know. I, I would sooner give it to Panarin than Hellebuck, though. As great as Hellebuck's been. As great as, as great as McKinnon's been. I think it's, I think for me it would be between McKinnon and, and Panarin. But, goddamn. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, from World by Mike... Thanks for keeping us entertained, gentlemen. Convince me that Truba shouldn't be traded. Most want more time or to see him in a different system, but he isn't a power. He isn't PPQB one regardless. Thus, he'll never hit sixty plus points needed to justify his price, and his no movement clause kicks in on July first. Um, I don't think he should be traded for the mere fact that I don't want to use one year as a sample size to make a decision on a player who's still young. Um, you know, I'm not saying like he's a kid, but he's, he's not past his prime. And I seeing this story play out, uh, I don't want to 
beat you know a dead horse again all the defensemen who leave and you know just magically get all their shit together um i don't want jacob trooper to be the next one on that list so um i understand the frustration <laughs> i understand the he's making eight million dollars um i get all that but how bad would the criticism be if he's traded and then it's and and then he just gets it all together. It's gonna be like, oh, why the fuck did we trade this guy? Like, why did we only go, you know, one year? Like that'd be so stupid. It's not like you know the Rangers have ever you know made a decision off of one year before. Um, but you know we don't need to get into that. See, even if even in the circumstance where I think like the Rangers trade him away and he re- he kind of returns to form. Here's my thing with Truba. Is the Rangers gave him too many too many monies, Tom? Too many monies. If if there exists a way to trade him to get a reasonable return, to get and that's the problem is as I'm saying this, I just don't think it exists. Right. Right. I, I like I can say like he's twenty six, he's making eight million a year. How many teams even have the the space to take something like that on even if like the, let's say the rangers trade truba for uh, like let's say you know a forward of similar age who's making a ton of money and maybe had a down year or something you know dealing from a position of strength to a position of need do i hate that idea no it just seems like that's it's that's a huge huge dice to roll <laughs> You know what I mean? That's that is a big coin flip um, about how that would pan out, and that doesn't mean the Rangers should stick to the devil they know. Um, I just I wish things were different with Truba, um, but the Rangers made the decision they made. I was excited at first until I saw the contract, and then my excitement kind of fizzled. Um, and given what we saw this year, uh, I think. It's understandable why a lot of people feel the way I do about Jacob Truba. I can he be worth eight million a year and not be a sixty-point defenseman and on power play one? Technically, yeah. I just think the odds are not in his favor there. It's going to be hard for him to to play up to that contract if he's not there. And you know, right now he's you know, on that first unit. What is he? The third best option. <laughs> You know, on 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 the right side, right. That's that's rough, man. I mean, the last thing I'll say is, can he be worth eight million? Um, maybe, but I think the way to look at it is, and obviously, the current situation of the pause season throws a monkey wrench into things. But we're looking at a cap between 84 and 88 million um this is before seattle expansion this is before new uh, us tv deal if we're trending in the direction we're okay a few years down the line the cap is 90 million then 92 then 94 90 you know six and going up and up and up and up you look at it proportionally you're going to have the tippy top defenseman more of them making double digits. Um, and then the you'll have your top, top paid defenseman making a lot of money. 
And then you look down the list and you see someone like Jacob Truba making $8 million. It's like, you know what? That kind of makes sense. Um, should it have been for a little less? Yeah, I think I can agree with that. But at this point, I think it would be dumb to just, you know, move on after one year. Unless the perfect deal is there to be had, um, which I don't think is going to be there. Um, it's just super unlikely that that comes together. Yeah. So... Next question comes from Jason Silberman, and we sort of touched on this, but um, if the remainder of the season and playoffs canceled, what would be a fair system for determining the NHL draft order? No lottery and just go by current standings, a weighted lottery with every team involved, something else. Thanks and stay healthy. Uh, thanks, Jason. You stay healthy too, you and your thanks, friends and family. Um, I don't think they could just go from... Detroit Red Wings won on because you have picks that weren't uh, awarded yet because you have like, okay, you get this pick if Team X makes the playoffs and all these other things. So then that sort of throws things off. Um, I do wonder if they would look at it like they did um, during the the canceled season lottery draft where it's like, okay, we're looking at the last three years of performance and um, we're waiting it that way. Um, But I think this is one of those contingency plans that they're looking at and they hope that it sorts itself out by being able to resume play and everything, you know, be status quo. So um, short answer is I I really don't know, um, but I'm sure that they've working on something because people are going to be really pissed if it's just this convoluted thing uh given the um the amount of talent in this draft so like my it's funny as you said that it occurred to me that i know a lot of people are really hoping things get resolved there's no one who wants this to be resolved more than the nhl they will do everything they can to make this happen um because they have to figure out a lot of nightmares if they don't, um, uh, including that. Just If you just think about the draft pick situation alone, it's like, oh my god, Like, what do you do? How do you make it fair? Um, but I, I don't hate the idea of you know trying to make it based on not just, you know, all right, well, I guess that's the end of the season, and do we just move on from there? Like, do you get rid of the lottery? I don't think you can. Um you know, it's it's so hard to break away from the way you've been doing things because if it doesn't go the way of Team X or Team Y, they have every right to make a stink. And, you know, I, I don't know. The, it's just, I don't want to cop out out of every question with, we have to see what happens, but this is just like, God, it's so hard to visualize what a fair system would be before we know if you know how far along we really are um i think the solution of basing it not just on the season isn't terrible i think you you know as the nhl you want to find something that seems fair and you want to find something you also are going to wait a long 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 time to move forward with any plans because making a premature decision on something like the draft before you have to would be a disaster. And that kind of goes without saying, but that's, that's my take on everything. 
Yeah. It's going to be a nightmare, whoever's being uh, charged with figuring this shit out, because um, people are going to, like I said, they're going to get into a hissy fit if there's this situation where um, there's a detection of impropriety with how picks are awarded. Um, So hopefully they're working on it, uh, even more so than uh, if they can even fit in a regular season, because the draft is going to happen. It has to. Um, But yeah. And then our last questions, they are linked together. And I had a feeling that this was going to happen, this sort of, um, you know, uh, philosophical look. First First one comes from Kevin. What is hockey? Second one comes from Cassie. Why is hockey? And the third one comes from the lovely Beth Boyle Macklin. Where is hockey sobs? Hockey is in our hearts. Um, nothing can take it away from our hearts, Beth. Um, what is hockey? I still don't know. It's the friends we made along the way. Ah, Tom. I mean, how do we top that one? Hockey is the friends we made along the way. It's beautiful, Tom. Why is hockey? That's I don't the know. Real problem. The why is hockey is what keeps us up at night. <laughs> why is hockey is spending time uh, when you should be sleeping while your team's on the West Coast. It's uh, spending more hours than you should writing about things to realize you were looking at an outdated thing and having to delete it all and restarting it's um oh god it's like um it's not the exact thing but like when i i think of these things like so it's like you know like love is patient love is kind you know love is not jealous love is not boastful it's like it's you think like all of these things like and i think people are using this time period like all of their interests whether it's your thing was broadway plays your thing was movies or basketball or or hockey it's like why is this such an important part of my life and now that it's not here that you know i'm sad or i'm um empty or you know uh and i think it's a, a couple of things it's the actual sport the action the sense of community the the emotional roller coaster you get. Um, I say more so in the playoffs and the regular season, although um, that five goal game by Zibanejad certainly was. Um, if it, if that was one of the last games we'll see this season, then at least to go out great with a bang, because that is something that I'll remember for a long time. Um, but yeah, why is hockey? I think that is actually a good question to leave off on. And whenever we do our next show, hopefully the listeners, instead of, um, you know, in addition to submitting bannering points, your response to why is hockey? A little bit of homework for, for you listeners. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we, like we said, we maybe will just do the one show a week, but send in your questions and we'll, you know, we'll keep recording. And the good thing is, you know, we've... I have plenty of experience doing the show during the off season, and obviously, Tom filled in a lot for for Joe last off season. So, you know, just because there's no hockey doesn't mean there's nothing to talk about. Um, there's always stuff to talk about, and I don't know, Tom. It's a crazy time. It's a crazy world we live in. Uh, we've said it a bunch already, but you know, stay healthy, 
avoid crowds, do all those common sense things, and um, above all else, take care of yourselves, look out for each other, uh, be good to each other. You know, don't don't feed into making things uncomfortable and crazy, especially in places like grocery stores, you know. Just practice common sense, and, you know, we're all going to get through it together. And before we know it, hockey will be back. Yep. And uh, with that, uh, thank you especially to our, our, our Patreon uh, subscribers, um, Adam Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Amarillo Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Clay Glocklin, Daniel Dezen, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Eric Christensen. That's uh, That was Alex Ald and... Uh, the Eric Christensen. The Eric Christensen. That's... Uh, Mr. Shootout Extraordinaire before uh, Matt Zuccarello. Um, Number 40? Did Christensen wear 40? What did he wear? Yes. I think it was... For, or, no, you know what? Was he 26? He was 26 and 40. I forget. He might have been both. Yeah. Um, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, not going to happen, uh, Igor Zavlosky, yeah. James Dangles, Jamie Bussell, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Prinzipelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Wallace, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olsen, Michael Asante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panera 2020, Patrick Landholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bielbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you again uh, to all our Patreon uh, subscribers. And, and like I said a little bit earlier, um, once uh, once hockey's back, we'll resume um, the Patreon. Um, I know you were charged for March, um, but I will uh, you know go in the system and set up pausing but uh as always you know everyone we're very thankful for your, your support of the show and like mike said um you know take care of yourselves um best to all of you and your family and you know we're going to get through all of this together and we're going to try to make this show fun for you a, a place that you can just sort of you know take your mind off of things um but yeah uh that's all i have for now and uh till next time uh take care take care folks <laughs>